Hey, motorsport fans, Phil Pryor here, host of the Splash podcast, one of the Fox Motorsport Supercars podcast co-hosts, Will Dale, joined me yesterday to chat all things F1 and Daniel Ricciardo. Go and search for the Splash to listen to Ricciardo and the F1s. Now enjoy your show. This is the Fox Motorsport Supercars podcast with your host, the Pit Lane Rogue. Welcome everyone to the Fox Motorsport Supercar podcast, wrapping up all the action from Perth on the uh, on the weekend. Joined today by FoxSports.com.au's Will Dale. Hello, Will. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. And uh, we're missing our mate Lewis Isaacs, but as always, we've uh, we've drafted in our resident expert, David Reynolds from Erebus Motorsport. G'day, mate. G'day, boys. Where's Lewis? He's uh, at TAFE. He's learning. He's learning stuff. What a loser. <laughs> <laughs> nah, just joking. Who else? Is it just us three? Just us just three. Just us three, dude. Oh, nice. Yeah. Thought we'd have a nice little intimate chat for everyone. So, all right, boys. Start let's, it off. Well, exactly. I was going to say, well, let's, let's wrap up the... Uh, talk about some of the issues from the weekend. Will, give me your driver of the weekend. Who impressed you the most? Um, to be honest, Craig Lowndes. Like, his drive on the Sunday from the back of the field all the way f- to the podium. Controlled, steady made use of green tyres, made use of the pace advantage he had at various times. And um, you don't see too many guys come from the back of the grid to the front in the space of a 200k race. So, go yeah, hand it no, to and him. Yeah, if anyone can do it, it's been, it'll be CL because he's done it on a few occasions and you can never, can never round him out. Yes. The other, my, my driver of the weekend would have to be, and it's no surprise, you know, none, because, but, you know, Scott McLaughlin, 19th to 1st, Drove the wheels off that Penske Falcon. I'm surprised there's any wheels on it left. <laughs> Literally drove... I think there are many wheels left from Barbagallo, full stop. No, it was a few inches and stuff <laughs> yeah. up and down. Um, what a drive. And yeah. I, like I saw on the Fox Sports... Uh, sorry, on supercars.com that Tim Edwards basically said he's uncatchable at the moment. Really untouchable. Dave, what, what, what do you reckon about that? That he's untouchable? Yeah. No, I, you know, I think, I think you know, everyone's beatable on their day. You know, they're in a very good moment. You know, they've got they've got amazing pace. Um, Scott's obviously driving it well, but you know, like he he had he didn't do the first qualify. He did, he missed out uh, Q one and sorry Q. Sorry, he didn't make the ten in practice, so he had to do Q one, and then he did a bad lap, and he missed Q two and three, so he had two sets of greens. And basically, after the start, after about four laps, through I think he got to about from 19th, he got to 15th or 14th in the first couple of laps, and then the safety car came out and he had to, uh, and he got past all the double stackers. So he basically rolled out fifth with two green sets of tyres. Now that is amazing. It's an incredible drive. Also, to miss all the carnage that went on on the first couple of laps as well. He didn't miss it by much either. Is no. That, yeah, that no. incident turn five. You're missing my point. <laughs> you completely missed my point. That he ended up fifth at lap four after the safety car with two sets of green tyres. If you said to me you can qualify fifth round there every day of the week but had two sets of green tyres when everyone else has none, I'd take that every day of the week. Yeah. Because it's worth a lot of time around there. So So basically he's kissed on the <laughs> what I'm saying. Yeah. Like he obviously he drove it well and he's got good car performance, but all, all he made all the right choices at the first couple of laps to get past a few people and miss all the shit that goes on. 
Um, yeah, which sucks because I thought I had the perfect race and I was going to win my first race ever at, at Perth and it didn't turn out to be. <laughs> <laughs> we came close to not finishing. Yeah, horribly bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, I was so embarrassed, man. I was so, so embarrassed. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I don't. I just must have lost concentration for a bit, or I passed a couple of cars around the outside of turn six on the on the last lap, and must have got on my tyres or something, and wasn't concentrated enough, and just speared off and looked like a complete dickhead. So, <laughs> I'm sure Captain Peter Jansen would be very, very proud, though. You stole all the attention away from the person crossing the finish line. Did I? Race. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Like it's, Scotty's crossing line, oh, taking well. the checkered flag, and there's you playing in the sand. It was great. Well, I basically, I was telling everyone, I had almost a perfect race and my car was great and I still didn't win, so I had to I had to blame something. <laughs> so if I didn't run off the last corner, I might have won. <laughs> the thing is, is I, was, I was head down writing notes and stuff on Sunday and I kind of thought, oh yeah, McLaughlin's going to win and looked up, oh, Redon's going to finish second, how often is this? And I looked up again and went, the hell did he go? Maybe not. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but, and it was all like, He's kind of held my breath there for a second to see if Lowndes was going to... Going to sneak up, but we're so glad that you eventually got the, the second place, got it done with a spectacular finish. And, has, Al Mc, has Al recovered yet? Al McVeigh. Yeah, on the he's radio. all right. Yeah, because he yeah, sounded he a bit stunned. He me yesterday about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, it is like just, I hardly ever run off in practice or in qualifying or in the race, so yeah, I, I basically did 79, almost 80 laps perfect, and then. 81 laps was horrible. <laughs> Although, I was going to say, in the, um, you, you had a little, uh, almost a little runoff in, uh, on Friday afternoon doing some hot lap sessions, didn't you? Was that a, was there a couple of wild moments in the grass that I'd heard of? Oh, when I took James Harrison. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, they don't give you the best tyres for rides, and they look stone cold, so I had to, like, you know, make it interesting for him. I, I, I might have got one wheel in the grass. Don't tell anyone. So I get a, I get a big fine for that. We didn't, didn't hear it. You didn't hear it from us. No, it was. Uh, yes. Sorry, I'm sure you were driving at 110, like 90 percent or slow. 80. Slow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 85 percent. I always, I always the... try harder in rides because I want people to enjoy. It. <laughs> oh dear. It's dumb. I know. It's so dumb. Oh, well, not... you got to give people the experience. You're well, converting exactly. fans with it. So yeah. It's the full race experience. It's not just on track. That's also if what you happens. Guys if you guys haven't been for a ride, you've got to go for one. It's the coolest thing ever. <laughs> I, I've, I've been on a couple. I think the last one I went with was with Marcus Ambrose, so that puts a date on it as when that happened. But it was at SMP. Wow. It was at SMP the day, like, it was a wet... It, it had rained, uh, so it was wet. and there about, Well, yeah. <laughs> it, it was good you fun, go though. you got to go wild and stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go with someone methodical and boring. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so who, who else was wild and stupid that you would... Uh, who would recommend? you recommend? Oh. Apart from you. I don't really know anyone else. I've never been for a ride with anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> the other good performance across the weekend, just get slightly back on track, was um, was Nissan. They look like they've backed up their competitive performance from Phillip Island uh, at Perth. And it wasn't it wasn't the same old. It wasn't Rick Kelly or Caruso. It was the other two. Well, yeah. As, well, all Andre four. And Simona. Yeah. yeah as a all whole. four of them had good, good pace at one point. Mm-hmm. And crucially, at a very different track to Phillip Island. Yeah. Mm. Well, it's it's a it's a we know it's all we all know it's abrasive. There's a lot of um, you know, and that that kind of that long straight 
down the side. Mm. Um, you would think that they were, you know, in part, previous years they would have got overtaken down that down that straight and into the into turn seven. But it looked like they were kind of keeping up with everyone. And you know, to have the two rookies of the team, you know, Simona who's still in a second full time year, and and Heimgart having coming back from a dry spell, a spell a, pa- a spell in the paddock. Um, to to pull eight for, for on Sunday to, for Heimgartner to pull eighth and Simona to pull twelfth, I think is a great achievement. Well, you look at Simona's weekend overall. You look at the results. That's her best weekend in supercars mm. between qualifying. The fact that she made it through to was it on the Saturday or the Sunday she made it automatically through to Q two. So, well, she knocked. She was she was tenth, I think, and I was eleventh. She knocked me out of. Oh, she Q1 did too on Saturday. Yeah. yeah. So that yeah, it's just a sign. It's a positive sign of her progress, the fact that she's put to basically put a full weekend together that was quite solid and not all that far away from her teammates mm. on a weekend where the Nissans were good, so that could actually be highlighted. So, Will, it's really been Nissan, I think, Nissan's best start to the year since they re-entered the competition. Oh, hands down. Like You look at, I guess, 2013, it was a very difficult start to the year for them. They had that good result at Winton with... A slight fuel concession, let's say. Um, Let's not mention the juice. 2014 was, again, it was up and down for them. They were there or thereabouts on a lot of different occasions. But the fact that Rick had a double podium at Phillip Island and that all four cars were, to some degree, competitive, again, at Perth last weekend at a very different track, that's that's a fantastic sign for them going forward. We can only hope for the sake of the sport, that that continues through to Winton and the rest of the season. And Dave, you're you're caught up in amongst the thick of it. I mean, is it is it good to see them, you know, being more competitive this year? And are you noticing a difference on track? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, their 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 engines are fine. I think like I couldn't really pass them down the straight. I had to lunge them or drive past them if I had better tyre life or whatnot. But it's really good to see them going good for the category. For, you know, they're one of the only manufacturer supported teams in pit lane now. Um, and it's good because, you know, it mixes up the results. And I thoroughly enjoy that. I hate seeing the same person win all the time. It's boring. Unless it was me. <laughs> <laughs> that was going to be my next like yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it's fantastic for the sport because, um, you know, I hope, you know, I think they're coming up to renewal soon. Is that correct? Yep. This is the last With year of their. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully they they get some amazing results and they stay on for another couple of years. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the sport's nice and healthy and competitive and I think, I hope, fingers crossed, they stay around in whichever guise of car they want to bring. I did read a report yesterday that maybe the Ultima's actually making a comeback in the in the US, so it may stay yet. I guess, I guess it'll... Yeah, I, I, I guess it'll depend on what Nissan's strategy for Australia is now. Mm. Um, I guess we haven't really seen too much of what that is from a motorsport perspective since Richard Emery moved on. So I guess, yeah, we'll just cross our fingers and hope. What did you guys think of the qualifying system? It was great. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I reckon it's awesome. Like to watch, how, how, is it easy to follow? Because when you're in the moment, it might be sort of hard to figure out what's going on, like when you're in pit lane. Yeah. So I don't know how they telecast it. So I think, what was your thought? Yeah, no, I think they've tried to clear it up a little bit. I'm The only change I would make is I think they just need to make it the fastest from P2 
two as opposed to the combined sessions because normally it's whoever's quickest in P2 is the, you know, kind of moves through that qualifying session anyway and P1's a bit of a... Well, that's it. You look at the Friday P2 session at Perth, 25 out of the 26 cars did their fastest time of the day in yeah. P2. Except so if, Lowndes was the exception. Sure. So if we make P1 just a, you know, a practice in inverted commas test session so you can so the teams can try stuff things and bring new parts because the amount of test limited test days that we've got and make p2 the one that that hinges on on quality i think that's a that's a, a betterish move yeah. yeah maybe happy to be happy Possibly. to be proven wrong shout me down what do you think well it's it's it works really well but once again we i don't think we have enough tires you play always playing that tire game if we had another couple of sets of tires it'd make it'd make the strategy in the races a bit easier to do. Mm-hmm. And that's why this year you saw people do four stops instead of the normal two or three stops like yep. we had last year because we had an extra set of tyres. So if we had more sets of tyres, it could, could be a possibility for more strategies. Yep. Um, and also it, it'd be easier to do the qualifying sessions because, you know, you kind of you, you burn one set in practice uh, to try and make the top ten, and if you don't, you got to burn maybe one or another two sets to make Q two, and then you're out of tyres, and there's another two two qualifying sessions left. Now I remember yeah. distinctly remember after Tassie saying that we should throw more tyres; they should get extra tyres for the qualifying sessions. And you, Mr. Reynolds, and you, Mr. Dale, told me this was a bad idea. Is it did still I? a bad idea? <laughs> how, I stand how by that comment. Like, hey. Well, because yeah, you said it was all see. up to time, up to tire management, and it's up to the teams if they want to throw extra tires at qualifying to get through. Yeah, then they could do that. I understand why you said that now. <laughs> 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 but yes, well, it's it, 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 each has their positive and negative. I think sure, but it depends what's better for the show. You know, if if we have more tires, it opens up. The, bet, the different strategies in the races instead of everyone having the same set strategy, mm-hmm. which I love. Like, I love cars coming hard home on a new set of tyres. I, I reckon that's fantastic for racing. Yeah, absolutely. But then equally, if you don't, like, looking at the system as it is, if McLaughlin had those, for argument's sake, had those extra green sets of tyres up his sleeve on Sunday morning, would he have ended up 19th on the grid? Possibly not. Possibly not, exactly. Mm. But he might have not have won the race because he would have had old tyres to go on the car instead of new ones to get a big advantage. True. So how did, given the fact that you missed Q1 or missed automatic qualification to Q2 on the Saturday, how did how did that impact your strategy, your car Badly. strategy? Because <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I had to run, I did what McLaughlin did on my first set. I didn't do a good enough job, so he had to run another set. I made a little mistake in my very first set of tyres in Q1 and had to do another set in Q2. So I only had one more set for the next two qualifying sessions. So I opted to burn. Like I made it through to Q2 and then did a really good job in that. One set of tyres, bang, I think I was fastest, and then went to Q3 and had no tyres left. So I used a set of tyres that were allocated on Sunday Mm. to get me through that session. So I only had one chance and I was like seventh or something. So it was almost kind of worthless. <laughs> yeah. so, so does that make your second place on Sunday better? Does Even it, better. Yeah. yeah, it kind of does, yeah. Because we had another, we had a practice set 
uh, green practice set that got me through on practice four, whatever they call it, into Q1 on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So past Q1, so I went straight to Q2 and only had two sets of tyres. So I had one lap to do on Q2, one lap in Q3. And we ended up six or something. So it was all right. It was fine. But, yeah, I don't know. So, it's, it's just nice as a driver having new tyres, especially when the tracks so you like it first. But apparently they're going to resurface it so we won't have all these problems. Yeah. Anymore. At, at Maybe least for, for another one year. year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for one year. <laughs> now there was talking about P two. There was a little bit of incident uh, in P two that may have uh, or may not have involved yourself and uh, the uh, and CL. Do you, want to, do you want to talk us through that little incident? Um, yeah. So in practice, in practice two, I think he he rolled out a new set of tyres and started his lap, and I rolled out a pit lane. And tried to get out of his way as best I could at the top of the hill and might have stuffed him up a little bit, maybe a tenth or something. And yeah, and then I, I was, I started my lap and he kind of stuffed me over. So I think they, they decided that was like a, a, a neutral outcome. We both stuffed each other over and yeah. we got away, well, I got away with it and he got away with it. So it wasn't really anything bad. So is that something that the um, the judicial team, so Michael Massey and Beardo, is that did they actually come chat to you about that? Because nothing actually appeared in the stewards' report from the weekend. No, no one come talk to me about it whatsoever. Okay. Apparently, I was I got investigated, but nothing happened. <laughs> I, I like I tried to get out of the way as best I could. I was on cold green tyres and probably wasted a little bit of you know life out of him trying to get out of his way because. Mm. Yeah, it's it was it's a hard corner because you don't really, you know, they come up to you so fast and it's it's like a not it's a 180 degree corner so you don't really see him that well. Mm. And there's a hill involved and I got out of the way of a couple people and then tried tried to merge myself back into the racing line and he kind of appeared behind me with his lights on. <laughs> so that moment, like later on, that you mentioned where where Lounsey came across on you down the front straight. You only missed, or you only missed pipping Simona into the top ten on that day by was it two hundredths of a second? Did that make the di- was that the difference? Well, no, not not really. Um, okay, I just didn't do a good enough lap. I think I was I had in my head I had a problem at turn one um, with braking and stuff, and I tried to tried to brake a bit early and flow a bit of speed in, and I just didn't make didn't make the most of my tyres to be honest. The um, there was a few incidences on uh, on Sunday, chaos everywhere. They were all investigated, and everyone was kind of cleared. So yeah. it, it was chaos everywhere on Sunday. Wherever you looked, it was like it was crazy. Um, lap one, turn five, Pi and Stanaway had a, had a coming together, which was investigated and cleared. Um, lap two, Caruso and Davison. Lap three, I mean it's Golding Hazelwood, and then lap. Four, uh, whenever when twenty five cars arrived in pit lane yeah, at once. <laughs> I was going to say because you were investigated for a little bit of a an, an incident with uh, with Andre at the same. It uh, were you, was it almost an unsafe release, or did you have a problem leaving your pit bay, or what was that about? Um, well, I just when they dropped me, I just merged myself into pit lane, and I knew it was going to be closed because I always keep in my mirror, looking in my mirror to find out you know who am I racing and whatnot. And yeah, I zipped out of pit lane, and um, you're allowed to like a little bit of contact, like 
you know, your rear front bumper to rear bumper. Otherwise, you know, if it's wheel-to-wheel contact, you're done. You get penalised for that. So, yeah, I was. it was very, very close. It was very, very, very close. I guess that's the important distinction to make because in both those instances, that's what it was. It was, what well, was it, um, front bumper to rear bumper contact. And if you think back to... 2016 at Homebush, the incident between Shane Van Gisbergen Bergen and Garth Tander, it, as they were exiting pit lane, battling for the lead of the race, same sort of deal, no penalty for Van Gisbergen. Mm. So, yeah, if, it, if it's if it's if it's rear bumper to front bumper, it's kind of okay. But it once there's like wheel to wheel contact, I think that's that's a no good, that's no go. You get a drive through penalty for that for sure. Yeah, right. So I'm very, very lucky I got away with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, again, it was the, the rookies who have really done, stood up. Again, we, I mean, we always say that there's one rookie per round that kind of steps up. And on on Sunday, you know, um, LeBrock was ninth, which is a fantastic, I still think it's a fantastic achievement for him, you know, backing up his kind of his Tassie form. Performance, yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's. I guess we're still waiting for Hazelwood to come good. You know, he's he's had he's started to put a few f- steps forward, but we'd like to see him up a little bit further. Well, you look at the situation. It'd be hard. Sorry, go ahead, Dave. It'd be hard for him because he's in you know uh, kind of an unknown team that's probably never really mm. done this sort of level before. So it's going to be super hard for him for yeah. the whole year. That's exactly. But LeBrock, LeBrock steps into a pretty well-known car, pretty well-known team. They've got results on the board already. You know, he's just applying his craft. Yeah. Well, you look at the other rookies, and they're all in a similar boat. Richie Stanaway's in with Tickford with three very experienced supercars drivers as part of his team. Of course, Ant- Anton's got you and the good people at Erebus. And as I'm rapidly scanning... Oh, James Golding in it, Gary Rogers, and their track record of blooding young drivers yeah. is is well proven. Yeah, and mm. I was going to say I've been I you know we've we've said it a lot here and we've kind of reiterated it from last year. Been very impressed with with Anton and the way he goes about his craft. And you know if you've got uh, your teammate uh, borrowing some data and uh, and set up and stuff and you know manages to beat you, then you're kind of doing the right thing, I would think. Yeah, definitely, he's helped us out. Uh, so so much just with little little things like you know we start the weekend with a similar car and he'll go down one path of this new design we've got going and I'll continue down um, our standardised path that way you know if his, if his side doesn't go that well we've always we've tuned around my our sort of standard setup and it's kind of like the no risk strategy mm-hmm. but then once we prove once he proves that his car's faster then we adopt his setup and and go forward from there. So it's it's worked really well for us. Well, As you probably can see, the results are better, and his results are pretty good as well. Yeah, I was going to say because you know, most of the time, you know, he's um, had a really strong uh, practice or something, and then you know he's he's been quicker, and then you guys have you know switched around or, or done whatever it is that you're, you're doing, and then you know you're off a little bit ahead of him again. So you know. Yeah. Uh, it's. I mean, it's. It's good to see that that he's coming and be being being able to give that feedback to the engineers and being able to work on his program and get everything done and push up towards the towards the front. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of things happening there. Um, obviously, one, he's a very good driver. If you didn't know any different, you'd think he's been in the category for yeah. a long time. 
Um, so his experience is, you know, quite quite little, but you know he drives the car very well. And two, the cars must be pretty easy to drive and pretty easy to find the in. So that makes a big difference when you're learning as well. Because I remember my very first time in the category, the cars had no feel. They were just pissed, really. They were so horrible to drive. Yeah. Um, that was when you know the old diff was there. The you know they were they weren't as refined as what they are now. Yep. So it makes a really big difference when you first step into the category. You're in a good car, good team, gives you heaps of confidence, and you can you can push it as hard as you can without. And and having the results he does, it sort of breeds confidence. Mm. Thanks, Davey. Thanks for spending time with us this week. I know you've got other commitments to go to, so we will catch you after Winton. And Will, speaking of Winton, let's uh, let's chat about them and uh, especially the Nissans. I mean, they took their first race win there a couple of years ago. Uh, with the the form that they're showing now, do you think they can take their race wins again? Well, I guess Winton's kind of another test to see whether this is like a a genuine indicator of the Nissans making a step forward and ma- marching up the grid. Because along with that win there, Rick Kelly finished on the podium there a couple of years ago, and it's a track that. Her, that sort of un, that diminishes the negatives that that car has had in terms of air, in terms of engine power, and hopefully, hopefully that does mean that they're in with a shot at, at the very least, the podium, top five runner, maybe even a win. Well, in last year's form, it was really the two top protagonists. It was the the two top teams of um, Shell V Power. And uh, Red Bull Holden Racing Team, who took the chocolates. It was McLaughlin on the Saturday and Van Gisbergen on the Sunday. With the old shake and bake. The old shake and bake. Yes. And that epic burnout from SVG on the on the Sunday. He, he doesn't really do any that aren't. That's true. <laughs> to be well, fair. Well, you know, I, I don't know. I think it would rate fairly highly on the, the Russell, indica- Russell Ingle indicator. Eight and a half, surely. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it w- would be fairly high up. Yeah. Now, this, they're obviously going to be strong in the mix again um, at Winton, but it's really Wing Cup who needs to bounce back. Well, that's the thing with Triple Eight this year. They've been very up and down, which they've got a new car. That is understandable, but they've been swinging back and forth informally. You think back to Saturday at Barbagallo, and it was those two cars that were outside the top 10 for the first time since, well, I think the stat was, what, Townsville 2015. So it's not a given that they're going to be the among the pace setters at Winton, which it's been a long time since you've been able to say that, mm. which is good. Let's, you, from a form perspective, from a fan perspective, it's good not having a clear favourite for the weekend. Although that said... Car 17 is probably going to be the fastest one around there yeah. again last year. You think back to the Sunday race, McLaughlin had a crook start and then suffered with, suffered a drama with his shift cut that dropped him back a little bit through the field and cost him a bit of pace and cost him a bit of tyre longevity. So, yeah. Well, I mean, is it is it a case these days where you kind of rock up to a new round seeing what small little issues Triple Eight are going to have? That's I mean, interesting, they, isn't it? They had issues at Tassie. They had issues at Phillip Island. They've had issues at Perth. Albert Little, Park as well. If you yeah. think back to Shane, Shane Van Gisbergen's, un, like, the dramas he was having in qualifying mm-hmm. and the second last two races, it's unusual. Mm. And you got to wonder whether that's a factor of the, um, the sheer amount of work that team has had to do in this off-season building three cars, homologating a brand new car, designing and developing 
a car over the past 12, 18 months, however, however long it's taken them. It's a big workload, and you've got to wonder whether that's played a part. Yeah, I mean, it certainly is, and it's, you know, the, you know, but I mean, but in saying that, SVG has still managed to be, you know, um, still getting podiums, oh, as well as Wing Cup along the way, so... Well, you look at Shane's race on the Sunday. If he had have heard, if he had have heard Shippy telling him not to come in on lap four and double stack behind Win Cup, he'd have been, he'd have been at the front of the race. And although Davison, Will Davison, sunk through the field, having stayed out, he had a car issue. So that wasn't a true indicator of what a car that stayed out could have done. If Van Gisbergen gets that radio call, he wins the race. Mm. So. Yeah, there are definitely days where the Red Bulls do, unfortunately, through these little mistakes, have cost themselves results. And you look at the championship standings at the moment, Van Gisbergen is McLaughlin's closest challenger, and he's 158 points behind. A so full race win. A full race win behind. Yeah. And you look at these little issues, like if, if at the end of the year he misses out, any one of those, by let's say the 21 points that McLaughlin missed out by last year, any one of those little issues... Could have made could have been the difference, mm. and that's what we're talking about here. We're we're talking about a thirty-one race championship, and he's ha- had so many little issues. The cars have the pace generally. This could cost th- these little mistakes, little problems, little dramas. They're little, but they add up. Yeah, uh, for me, Tickford need to respond at Winton. Mm. There, there's no doubt that this is the track where they need to show that they've sorted their issues out and they and they can come good. I mean they test there. It's their it's their test track. So they really have no excuse. Uh I, I don't know how much of a difference that makes now. Like when was the last time they actually went to Winton? Well, yeah. Well when I can't remember when they tested there last but Well that's it. Like it's not a question of every other every other day between race weekends they're at Winton burning around, learning stuff. Even even back in the day when teams could do that at QR, it was never a, never a massive advantage. But you look back at the Perth weekend, and on the Saturday the ticket cards were quite good. Mm. Um, on the Sunday, Mostert was quite strong as well. They actually had an issue in their second pit stop, so not the one where mm-hmm. everyone else came in, but the one after that, McLaughlin, who had been the leader at that time, um, for whatever reason, ended up taking on a lot more fuel than they were planning in that stop and that that's what dropped him down the field behind McLaughlin behind all the guys that he'd been racing with up to that point and given that that car's inherent handling traits it was struggling with tyre degradation to begin with having an extra however many litres of fuel on board was always going to hurt that so that really took Chaz out of the fight for a top five or a podium that day that doesn't if that doesn't happen all of a sudden Tickford didn't look too bad on the Sunday. When you factor in the Winterbottom, yes, he was qualified deep in the field, but he struggled through the rest of that race with steering damage from that lap one incident. Um, Stanaway, Stanaway actually had a strong race as well. Waters, I'm not 100% sure or across what happened to him, but I don't, I don't think the Perth weekend was as bad as it looks on the result sheets for Tickford. And based on what they did on the Saturday, they at least got a clear direction of positivity from what they're looking for. In the top 10 of the Drivers' Championship, Mostert is the only Tickford Falcon in the top top 10. And he's 402 points off the, yeah. off the lead. But in saying that, Coulthard 
is 438 points from his teammate McLaughlin. He's, he hasn't had much luck this year. He was also he also copped a bit of damage in that turn one yeah. scuffle, and then had to then had to double stack behind McLaughlin. Yep. And then got duffed up by Lowndes at the bowl a few a couple of laps later. So it's just yeah, it's one of those things where if you end up at the back, sometimes you can get lucky. Or sometimes it just compounds your misery, and unfortunately, it seems to be the case for Fabs this year. Well, the team championship is also very much alive. You know, you've got Triple Eight who are leading Penske by 12 points. And the gap has really narrowed. It was 45. Mm. It's now 12. So that, that battle's well and truly alight. And then it's kind of daylight to the rest. It's kind of these two teams slugging it out. You know, Walker, Shaw, and Dreddy United are 338 points behind. So, But it is probably worth noting that they are the closest challenger in both championships. Yeah. When you consider how tough the last couple of years have been for that team, the fact that behind... So you go through the Drivers' Championship, you've got McLaughlin, Van Gisbergen, our David Reynolds in third, Craig Lowndes, Jamie Wincup, and then Scott Pye, James Courtney. Despite the fact that they've had their tough weekends this year as well, they're next best. Mm. And that's... Like, Courtney almost got on the podium in in Perth on the Sunday, and on Saturday that didn't look like a remote possibility. Yeah, we're we're being fourth. Yeah. Incredible. the fact that they came through, what was it, P4 on Sunday morning and were last and second last. Mm. And if you look back at JC's interview afterwards, he wasn't upset, he wasn't down, he wasn't grumpy. He knew what those cars had mm. and what they could potentially do. The fact that there's that positivity of that team now is fantastic to see. Yeah. And you're seeing that in the results. Yeah, well, it's, it, I, I think Winton's going to be really um, fascinating to see uh, how it all plays out at the end. And no wild cards this year. Yeah, that's that's interesting for me. I was after the success of last year. It's um, very, very interesting. It uh, is a bit of a shame because it did add a lot of spice to that weekend last sure. year. But as I think we said on the previous, it it all depends on what the drivers are the yeah. Super Two drivers are able to put together. Yep. We know Dean Fiore's deal with Matt White Motorsport didn't include any wild cards. Um, Gary Jacobson this morning talking to Supercars dot com didn't have, wasn't able to put together a program. Yep. And you look at the other drivers in that field, kind of stands to reason that maybe there isn't the commercial support around to plump for those extra races. Mm. Hopefully we might see Macaulay Jones at a couple of the wild cards later in the year, but see, unfortunately was, not at Winton. I was so looking forward to the Shea Davies-Michael Caruso battle heating up again at Winton <laughs> after last year. That's where, we, that's where we first saw the emergence of the Nissan, the Nissan Cup. Cup. yeah. So... It's going to be very, very, very interesting. I noticed you didn't bring that up when we had Caruso on. <laughs> well, it, went, <laughs> it didn't seem like it was appropriate, you know. Uh, and we didn't know what the wildcard situation was, so. Indeed. You know, whether he would be looking for, for Shay to keep him. Well, Shay's in a Ford now, I remember. He's racing yeah. for Paul Morris Motorsports. Yep. There you go. So, there you do go. Yeah. So ho- hopefully the, it's a not an internal Nissan Cup. Indeed. It is, I do agree, it's a shame that there's no wildcards. It would have been interesting to see Alex Rulo in a wildcard run at Winton yeah. this year. Just to, like, he took his first Super 2 race win on home soil, yeah. which is pretty cool, yep. at the weekend at Barbagallon. It would have been interesting to see what his development's been like now he's out, now he's in arguably a better car than what he was in last year with yep. that 12 months of proper, like, intense racing under his belt. Now a bit more confidence, a bit more experience. It's a shame we won't get to see that. Until the Enduros. Until the Enduros. When he teams up with Simona. Indeed. 
It's be very, very interesting. All right, I think we've exhausted all the time that we have today and uh, bled everyone's ears dry. So thank you all for listening, and uh, we will be back after the Winton round. Uh, and don't forget, you can subscribe on iTunes and everywhere else that you get all the great podcasts. Thank you very much for listening, Will. Thanks for chatting to us today. Always fun, and we will uh, talk to everyone after Winton. Mm-hmm.